And welcome to the second segment for this day's Politics and Brown Liquor, the PBL podcast. And of course, that handle is my social media handle across all social media platforms, the PBL podcast. You can interact with me on Twitter. You can watch my videos on TikTok. And again, I know a lot of people have an aversion to TikTok because they don't want those communist Chinese watching your every move. Well, what are you doing that you don't want to? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. And But you can watch my videos on my YouTube channel. So on my website, thepblpodcast.com, there is a link for my YouTube channel. Click on that. My trusted dog, Woody Wolf, implores you to get check out our YouTube channel and subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. You can watch all my TikTok videos there without those communist Chinese watching what you're doing. All right, let's get into it. Uh, on, on the previous segment, I told you that we're going to, I'm going to go over some accomplishments, some foreign policy accomplishments of this president. I debate the left online a lot. And one of the biggest, the biggest things that they say without having any kind of uh, uh, pushback or any kind of proof is they constantly say this president has accomplished nothing. They tried to paint Donald Trump as a crook because that's what they do. They project more or less. They they try to paint him as he's lined his pockets. He's lined his cronies pockets, yada, yada, yada. And it's simply not true. Again, I was not a huge fan of this president in 2016. He was not my first choice. In fact, I can share a story with you how when I first met my beautiful wife, I sat in her car and she had an audiobook of Trump's The Art of a Deal. And I remember biting my tongue because I didn't want to say anything because I thought this man was crass. I thought he was boorish and I wanted nothing to do with him. And I didn't like his style. It was bombastic and all that kind of stuff. And I still don't like that style, but I've come to appreciate what he has done as my president, he's done a phenomenal job. He, he is up against the things that no other president has ever been up against. We've never seen a media this hostile. You've never seen the left this off the rails and frothing at the mouth. And you've never seen the people that are leftists out there so ignorant to facts and so unwilling to actually look for the, the look online, open a book and actually see what this president has done. He has an America first policy that he has stuck to. And you got to admit, that's a damn good thing for us as Americans. It may not be the best thing for, you know, people in other countries, but as Americans, it absolutely is phenomenal. I've also seen this president, I doubted his pro-life stance when he was first elected. I don't anymore. I believe he's solidly pro-life. I think the office has changed him. Contrary to what the feckless Barack Obama says, I believe this president has grown into the position more so than I could have ever ever imagine. So I appreciate what the president is doing. Well, do I always agree with him? Absolutely not. I mean, if you listen to this podcast on any regular basis, I didn't agree with the shutdown of the COVID-19. I just didn't agree with it. I think there would have been a better way to handle this, but he would have took, taken such a media um, shitstorm that I don't think he could have recovered from it. So I don't, I think he was backed into a corner, but I don't agree with that. I don't agree with some of the bombastic tweets that he does. I don't agree with some of the hyperbole that he does. We don't have to. Now, I do like his tweets. I do want, I am one that will say, Mr. President, keep tweeting because it just triggers love. He is the master troll. Whether you want to troll as a president or not, 
does not matter. But let's get into foreign uh, policy accomplishments. I'm reading from a town hall ar uh, article. The headline is President Trump's growing list of foreign policy successes. This was from Martha uh, Bonetta, uh, um, released August 25th of 2020. So it is long past time for President Trump's detractors to admit he has had quite a string of successes when it comes to foreign policy, and some are finally relenting. And he has had quite a little. You know, the one right off the bat recently is the Mideast peace agreement that he just signed between the UAE, uh, what is it, United Emirates and Israel. I mean, come on, this is huge stuff. Uh, from the article, the Washington Post, David in, uh, I don't know how to say his name, Ignatius, Ignatius, sorry, for example, had to admit President Trump hit a home run with the deal he helped negotiate for the Israel United Arab Emirates to normalize diplomatic relations. It was. And you know why? You know how you know it was a big deal? The media was silent on it. They didn't want him to have this achievement. Uh, this was, as he tweeted, a huge achievement, Ignatius wrote. It is viewed as an icebreaker that could open the door to other countries such as Bahrain, Omar, and Morocco, opening diplomatic relationships with Israel. You know that whole peace in the Middle East thing that's been kind of elusive for every U.S. president since, I don't know, World War II? Trump will go down, and by the way, that was my commentary, this from the article, Trump will go down as perhaps the most consequential president in terms of Middle East in American history. He not only has stitched together this deal, he has gotten Israel and Saudi Arabia to cooperate on operations against Iran. He became the first president ever to fly from Riyadh to Tel Aviv. This is big stuff. Now, there's more. He defeated ISIS, moved the U.S. embassy to Jerusalem, which, by the way, off, off the article, everyone thought that he wouldn't do, by the way. No one believed that was going to happen, and it happened. Uh, and taken out uh, Soleimani, who was a bad dude, the Iran major general whose Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps is responsible for the deaths of hundreds of Americans and punished Syria, as opposed to the disappearing red lines of the previous administration for using chemical weapons on its citizens. He has withdrawn from the disastrous Iran deal and stopped sending plane loads of cash to the world's leading state-sponsored terrorism, and he has begun to withdraw U.S. troops from Afghanistan and Syria. This is big stuff. It's, you know, they're, they're, it, it, all the money we used to as a country send to these, state sponsor, these states that sponsor terrorism, we're no longer doing that. And have you wondered why we haven't seen much about that anymore? Could be this on the money to, per, to perpetuate their crime, their terrorism. From the article, and the Middle East peace plan his son-in-law and advisor Jared Kushner has developed is said to be the best hope for resolving the Israel-Palestine Palestine conflict since at least Oslo. And the media is silent. As the article said, and that's just the Middle East. From the article, in this hemisphere, President Trump has withdrawn the U.S. from the disastrous NAFTA deal and replaced it with the U.S.-Mexico-Canada trade deal, which opened new markets for U.S. farmers and manufacturers and encouraged the return of manufacturing jobs to the U.S. Off article, Obama said they'll never come back. Well, they're back. From the article, he has convinced Mexico to place 27,000 soldiers on its southern border to prevent caravans of immigrants from traveling through Mexico to the U.S. border, easing the strain on our border and saving enough money to finance wall construction. So in a sense, Mexico is paying for the wall. But the left doesn't want you to know that. 
The left doesn't want you to know that Mexico is actually helping to protect our border. 27,000 soldiers. Think about how much money that is. Also from the article, he has forged new and stronger relationships with not only Mexico, but Brazil, whose president won because he was the most Trump-like candidate in the race, as well as Guatemala and others. The residual effect of President Trump in uh, Central America. Amazing. It really is amazing. The press? Crickets. From the article, President Trump has taken on China like no one before and no one running against him for president could hope to. He investigated China for unfair trade practices related to technology transfers, intellectual property theft, and stealing American innovations under the Trade Act. He also charged China before the World Trade Organization with discriminatory licensing practices. President Trump has stood up to all the forced theft China inflicts on American films and then some. He has negotiated an interim trade deal with the Chinese, one of which obligated the Chinese to buy rice from the U.S. He walked away from a phase two deal because he held the Chinese accountable for not living up to terms of the first deal. He placed 25% tariffs on $250 billion worth of Chinese products, which has made them less competitive in the U.S. and forced pressure on Beijing to reform. But thanks to his strong economic policies, unemployment and inflation were basically non-existent before the pandemic. So Chinese firms, not American consumers, paid the cost of these tariffs. And I got to tell you, when these were first announced, I don't like tariffs, but it's worked. It has worked. Trump was spot on. And we got the Chinese to buy rice from us. Unbelievable. But, you know, there's more. The streak of light you no longer see above the Sea of Japan is the end of North Korea's previously rather regular missile threats to its neighbors and to the U.S. The president went where no president has gone before to North Korea and also held two summits with North Korean's leaders. They didn't produce an agreement, but they did produce an understanding, and the world is a more peaceful, less anxious place because of it. And this is spot on true. We just simply don't hear from the missiles firing into Japan. We don't hear the rabble sabering from North Korea, and we're not giving them money. Because that's what previous administrations did, including the Bush administration, is they would give North Korea money every time North Korea would sable that rattle. Trump didn't do it. So North Korea, realizing they got nothing, stood down. From the article, in Europe, the president has strengthened our allies and stood up for our values. He insisted all members of NATO meet their defense spending commitments. And the head of NATO, Jen Stoltenberg, has said the organization is in as good of shape thanks to this as it has been in a long time. Now, from the article, he is accused by the left of kowtowing to Russia's Vladimir Putin, but the opposite is more accurate. The president scored a major military victory over a group of Russian soldiers fighting in Syria. He also achieved energy independence for the U.S., which means we control our fate on energy prices and world supplies have reached a surplus. Earlier this year, world oil prices dipped below zero briefly, and they have remained historically low. Russia, which relies on energy for influence in Europe and cash reserves for Moscow, has been deeply wounded by America's assertion of energy dominance. And Biden recently came out and oh, during the campaign, during the primaries, was saying how you know fossil fuels are going to end under his administration. He's going to ban fracking. And then recently in his speech, he said he's not going to ban fracking. 
we are, for the first time in our history in a long, long time, our energy independence on oil. Our prices are actually the gas pump could probably be even lower right now. I mean, we're under $2 a gallon. I'm under like $1.80 in some of the areas where I'm at. This is all because of what Trump is doing. And he's not kowtowing to the environmentalists nor to Russia. From the article, in addition, President Trump has worked with countries from around the world to attack gang activity and human trafficking and to promote religious freedom. Even though this is a presidential election, there are many more candidates on the ballot besides the president. So go to Ballot Ready for a nonpartisan guide to your entire ballot. From there, you can compare candidates based on the stances on issues, biography, or endorsements, and then save your choice to use when you vote by mail or in the voting booth. You can even request your absentee ballot or make a plan to vote early or on election day. This election matters. So make sure you are ready and you vote and you vote informed. So visit go to ballot.org, enter your address to make sure that you vote and vote informed. Trump was elected on a high profile domestic issues, cutting taxes, closing the borders, and deregulation. He has addressed all of these, but he has also been perhaps the most consequential president in our lifetime with regards to foreign policy. And it's time he gets the recognition he deserves. This president has done more for this country than I hate to say it, the previous two administrations combined. You know, I like George Bush. I, I thought he was a decent guy, but you know, Politics has changed with Trump. The, the Republicans prior to Trump had no backbone. They had no spine. And they would simply just bend over and let the Democrats do what they want. Anytime the Democrats brought up, the you know, called them a racist or anything like that, the Republicans folded. They caved. And you still have some Republicans in, in the field that still do that. But you've got a lot more that are coming out being stronger and having a spine because they see now that it works because of President Trump. We are not the laughing stock of the world. We just simply are not. The, the world knows that President Trump means what he says and says what he does or does what he says. They know this president has a spine. They know this president is not going to put up with you know the constant barrage of anti-Americanism. They know this president is not going to put up with any kind of attacks on Americans without retaliation. I mean, when he killed Soleimani, the Iranian general, the left went crazy. They went nuts thinking he just started a Mideast war and they're going to retaliate. They didn't. In fact, we haven't heard much of Iran recently at all, have we? Could it be because we fought back? Could it be that we punched the bully back? I mean, because that's what a bully, a bully's a coward. A bully, all they want to do is instill fear in you. But the minute you punch back at the bully, they back down. Well, Trump has punched back at the bully and they back down. Foreign countries know this president means business. Foreign countries also know that this president will do business with them. I mean, the one thing that I've noticed about President Trump, he can have a battle with you. You can, I mean, you guys can be mortal enemies. And then the minute that ever, you know, you agree to work a deal with Trump, he's your best friend. He works with you. So uh, I got, I respect that. I respect what he's done 
and this is just a little bit of foreign policy, uh, but this is another reason why we simply need to reelect Donald J. Trump. There's a couple of things that need to happen here is not only do we need to reelect him, which I believe he's going to get reelected, but it's down ballot. That's mo most important right now, in my opinion. I, I think Trump's got it. I mean, barring Trump doing something egregious that will just throw everybody off and make them not go vote, sit it out, which I don't think he's going to do. I, I think he's got the election. Barring that Biden is actually uh, playing a game with these cognitive issues and he comes out of the debate like a rock star because he's been faking it the whole time so he could set the bar so low that I think Trump's got it. And I don't think Biden is doing that, by the way. I think they want you to think that, but Biden's Biden's lost. It's, it's really a sad thing to see. So Trump, need, we need to reelect Trump. We need to keep the Senate and we need to get the House. Here's what happens if we don't get the House. If we don't get the House, they're going to impeach this president. It's not that they're going to try. They're going to do it again. And then they'll do it again. They've already said so. So the way to stop that is down ballot, vote red, vote red. All right, let's switch some gears and let's have a little, uh, oh, let me make you mad. How about the, um, this? This is going to make you mad. I mean, it's just going to, I mean, I, I thought it was a parody and I still think it's a parody. So if it's parody and I'm telling you this, I apologize. But I was looking, trying to find out if this was a parody and I was like, uh, oh, uh, this looks like it's real. Uh, this is from a website called unitedwildlifeunion.com. That kind of gives you a clue, doesn't it? Here's a headline. <laughs> You're not going to believe this headline. Why white people owning dogs is racist. <laughs> That's right. You own a dog, you're a racist. I own two dogs. That means I'm twice the racist as people own one dog. Oh my gosh. Can you believe this is from some uh, numbnuts named, he calls himself katie six that's the title that's the name he gives them that katie is a father of two and a lifelong conservationist when not committing time to the local zoo katie spends his time creating and disseminating educational materials for local schools that help kids understand why protecting animals and that whole lgbt stuff da, 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 rights is so important so this man has impact on your children and this is his headline why white people owning dogs is racist. Let me read from it. You're, you're going to get a kick out of this. Way back in time, almost 12,500 years ago, the first canines were becoming domesticated. Through toil and hardship, people had earned the trust of our now beloved best friends. Love my dogs, by the way. Right, Woody? Woody, you don't think I'm a racist, do you? Woof. Woody says no. The symbiotic relationship between dog and woman was very groundbreaking as humans had never been this close to an animal before. Humans would provide shelter and care for the dogs, and in turn, the dogs would hunt and fetch firewood for humans. This is so warm and fuzzy. The reason I am detailing this history for you is so everyone understands the importance of the events that took place all these years ago. This is Katie Six telling you this. Here he goes. According to the bioarchaeologist Craiger Larson, the domestication of dogs started in two places, eastern and western Eurasia. The Eurasian people worked nonstop to gain and maintain the trust with these gorgeous creatures, but it was all stolen from them. The greedy actions by white people stained the history books forever. The greedy actions by white people. You hear this? By the way, Katie, he's a white guy. All right. Here it is from his article. What actually happened? 
Shortly after the Eurasian people worked so hard to train and bond with wolves, most of them were shipped off and given to Europeans. These filthy white savages took the work and credit from the Eurasian people and branded these magnificent creatures as their own. The need for white people to claim pre-made or pre-discovered things is not isolated to just this incident. Countless times in history, whites have been caught stealing the work and talent of people of color for their own success. Honestly speaking, we shouldn't be surprised that white people would steal the domestication of dogs as well. Based on historical knowledge, this behavior will not slow down within the white community. So Katie Six, white guy, blonde hair, by the way, is telling you that we still do this. That if you're white, you're still stealing stuff from other people. So Katie goes on. He's not done. How does this affect us right now? If you are white and own a dog, you are openly participating and advocating for their cultural appropriation and colonialism. Reinforcing this culture is not acceptable and will come, and will come to its repercussions. Dogs are and have always will be the living reminder of how tainted our history is. As a whole, people of color deserve to exclusively own dogs as a form of restitution for their stolen ancestors' works. Again, this is what I'm thinking. This has got to be a parody. Supporting the idea of white dog ownership is spitting on the grave of past people of color generations. With, intentional, with International Dog Day coming up, it is important we, we remember and advocate for the work of people of color and never let this unbalanced history be forgotten. All right, here's Katie's suggestion, his solution to all this. You ready for it? If you are white and own a canine, please consider donating them to a local people of color family or non-kill shelter so it can truly find the perfect home. I, 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 I'm speechless. Just absolutely speechless. I, I, I really, somebody go, I'm going to put this in the show notes, go on there, look at it. Tell me, please, that this is a parody. Please. This, this cannot be real, but we all know it possibly can be real. The world is crazy upside down, just crazy upside down. So last story. Uh, totally irrelevant to politics, anything else like that. Just, I caught me by, I don't know. I don't know how it caught me. I'm just like, we all know this person. Well, most of us do. Uh, maybe I should never admit that. Anyway, here's the headline. Porn star Ron Jeremy hit with new sexual assault charges involving 13 more women. Who, John, oh, I had no idea that there were more women that he was even involved in any sexual charges. Now, I'm familiar with Ron Jeremy. They tried to make Ron Jeremy mainstream. Ron Jeremy was a porn star. I guess still a porn star. Don't know. Never seen one of his movies. Yeah, sure. You don't have to believe that if you don't want to. But Hollywood tried to mainstream this guy. He's in a few mainstream movies. Don't remember the titles, but I remember that it was news at the time because I used to be in the entertainment industry and that Ron Jeremy, you know, they're making him mainstream. Well, it turns out Ron Jeremy is kind of a bad dude. Um, if this is true, the new charges is from the article. Uh, let's see. The complaint against Ron Jeremy Hyatt includes six counts of sexual battery or restraint, five counts of forcible rape, three counts of forcible oral copulation, two counts of forcible penetration by a foreign object, and one count each of sodomy, assault with intent to commit rape, penetration by a foreign object on an unconscious or sleeping victim, and lewd conduct with a 15-year-old girl. 
The new charges span a 16-year period, and the victims range in age from 15 to 54. In June of 2004, a 15-year-old girl attended a party in Santa Clara where Jeremy allegedly sexually assaulted her. We have seen this coming out of the Hollywood, and I put air quotes up, for a long, long time. Now, Ron Jeremy was a porn star. Again, Hollywood tried to make a mainstream by putting him in a few of their regular movies, mainstream movies. And this is Hollywood. You know, I often say this is the left, and that's the left as well, too. This is sick. I mean, this dude obviously is a sick individual. So, you know, I, these are all alleged crimes. He's been charged with all this. I'm not going to say, you know, what should happen, all that kind of stuff. It'll come out in court. But if true, what a sick bastard. Anyway, thanks for listening to this segment and this day of the PBL podcast. Um, we got a lot of work ahead of us to help this president to fight the, the good fight, to continue to promote the policies that he's put forth, the successes he's put forth, and to ensure that down ballot people vote red. This is one of those elections that concerns me. If Biden gets in, God forbid, uh, you know, there's a Supreme Court position on the on the ballot. There will be a new Supreme Court pick, whomever is elected president. Uh, they will, they being the left, will start replacing some of the judges that Trump has put on with leftist judges. And if the left holds the House of Congress, the House of Representatives, they will impeach this president. So this is, uh, you know, I, I've been nuts about politics since 92 and this in my opinion from my experience it is the most important election of our lifetime and i hate saying that because they say it every single time but anyway again thanks for listening to the episode of pbl podcast please check us out on our website the pblpodcast.com where i have the show notes on there you links to the episodes also links to all my social media platforms click on that youtube link as my dog woody woof and he also says I'm not a racist in that wolf. Tells you, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Thanks, everybody. Let's keep fighting the good fight.